Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Well, we, we rehearsed this morning and we were going through all and fine, we were all done and somebody came in and said, hey, it's all men up there. <laughs> we hadn't realized, right? Yeah. And we were pretty laid back and chill today. Uh, how many of you at some point in your life have either watched an Indiana Jones movie? How many of you? Most of you, okay. And those of you who haven't, have you heard of Indiana Jones? Right? Probably. Well, Indiana Jones, here's some things, some memories of, of his adventures. Like, remember when he navigated a rat-infested tomb? How many of you love rats? Oh, good. Okay. He takes over, he took over a truck that was supposedly carrying the Ark of the Covenant in the process. He gets shot in the arm. He gets thrown through the windshield. He gets dragged behind the truck on the ground, holding on to his whip, all this kind of stuff. Still manages to get back in the truck and, and you know, win the day. He escaped from a mine in a cart on railroad tracks. Remember that? With lava below and there were gaps in the rail track that the cart had to jump. He managed to do that. And remember when he was out running a rolling boulder? Remember that one? Coming down the hill after him? And then he had to land a plane. He said he could fly a plane, but he didn't know how to land one. And, and then his father managed to damage the rudder, and somehow or other they survived that. Another time they jumped out of a plane in an inflatable raft and managed to land on the snowy mountains and slid down the mountains to the river below. Da 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 Okay. You can hear, right? He navigates and escapes from a snake-infested tomb. And think about this. What do all of these things have in common? They're make-believe. That's what they have in common. It's fiction, isn't it? Right? Well, now, the Apostle Paul has his own list. And they are all true. They all happen to him. Five times, he says, he was whipped by his enemies with 39 lashes each. And, and, you know, we don't really grasp that much, but that was horrific. They weren't allowed to give them 40 because they were concerned it might kill them. So he said five times, 39 lashes. Three times he was beaten with rods near to the point of death. He was stoned and left for dead. He was shipwrecked three times, and he says that one of those times he spent about 24 hours floating in the ocean. He faced robbers. He, he had to deal with traitors. He says he dealt with many perils, perils of waters, cities, wilderness, the sea, false brothers. He talks about having extreme weariness and long hours of toil, times when they didn't have food, hunger, times they didn't have water and the thirst that went along with that, feeling so cold, being exposed to the elements. And then he just throws in, plus all the work I did <laughs> with the churches. Now, whipped, beaten, stoned, shipwrecked, robbed, we go on all the way through that thing. It sounds like a, anybody want to sign up? And so what's interesting to me about that is that all of those really seemingly, they weren't the kind of things you'd want to happen, are they? 
The kind of thing you try to avoid because you feel like they're not good things, they're bad things. Uh, you don't want to be there. And yet, the Apostle Paul, the one who experienced that, is the, the man, the Holy Spirit led him to write Scripture, but who, he's, he's the guy who wrote this when he said, in everything, go ahead, in everything, give thanks. For this is God's will, right? This is what God wants you to do. In everything, give thanks. Now, how do those things jive together? You know, I think in my own life, you know, it seems like there's things in my life that aren't that great, and I'm not real excited about being thankful in the middle of them. How do we, how do we bring this into line with what we experience in life? You know, there's another passage of Scripture we want to look at today that I think can help us with this. So let's go to the book of Romans. It's page 1301 in the Bible that's in the chairs there in front of you if you don't have a Bible with you today. We're just going to read one verse to start with here. Verse number 28, Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. If, if you got it there, read it out loud with me now. Okay, ready? And we know, wait, are you guys there? There we go. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. All right. Now, first, let me just say this, uh, that this promise that all things work together for good is only for people who have trusted Christ as Savior. It's only for people who have entered a relationship with him by acknowledging that they've sinned against the holy God, which we all have. And that our sins make us guilty before God, and it does. And that if we're found guilty, then our, we are condemned to hell for all eternity. And, and so the, the, the good news that is that Jesus came to earth. The Son of God came to earth, became a man, lived a perfect and sinless life that we should have lived. And he did it in our place. And then when he went to the cross, he took the penalty for our sins, which we should have taken, but because God loves us, he sent him to the cross to pay that penalty for us and rise again from the dead. And that whoever believes in him, whoever, that word believe is not just knowing, it's about trusting. You put your trust in him as savior. You acknowledge the truth about yourself and your situation, and then you, you put your trust in Jesus as savior. And then God says that when you do that, every sin is forgiven. Every sin, because Jesus paid for it. And never to be held against you in, in all eternity. Amen. Heaven's your destiny. And God himself moves into you here and now. Okay? So this promise that, it, by the way, is this like sound like a good promise to you? All things work together for good? Amen. You guys are there today, right? I guess maybe Dave's right. Thanksgiving is still your hangover. Okay? Um, yes, it's a wonderful promise. But it, if you have not received Christ as Savior... You don't experience that promise. This is for those who do. And so if you haven't done that, let me encourage you. You can do it right now, just in your heart and mind. Say, oh God, that's me. I need to be saved. I'm trust, right now I'm trusting Jesus to be my Savior. Do that. And you'll never regret it. Promise. Amen. But anyway, so here we have this idea. All things work together for good to, to believers. All things work together for good. 
Okay. <laughs> so, in 1 Thessalonians, when we saw that um, verse, and it said, in everything, right? Remember the word everything? In everything. Give thanks. And here, when it says, God works all things, it's the same word. In 1 Thessalonians, it's singular, everything. In Romans 8, 28, it's all things. So everything, all of them together, God is at work in for good. Now, it's, I, th I think we run the risk sometimes of thinking for Christians. You know, here we are as Christians. We ought to, well, we ought to be different, but we'll talk about that. We're going to get there. Um, but we can't, we don't dare fall prey. We don't want to be in denial. Let me say that, right? We've got to be realistic. Because realistic has to do with truth, right? What's really true. Okay, so we need to be realistic. We don't want to fall into this false spirituality, you know. I'm a Christian. Everything's always good. <laughs> Nothing bad ever happens to me because I'm a Christian. Now, I'm being very silly, but, do, right? I mean, there's, there's times I think that we feel tempted. May we hear somebody else being so, you know, excited and blessed, and we're going like, well, what about me, and how does that work? And so we find ourselves stuck, so we don't want to do that. So we need to acknowledge facts, things that are really true. The first, there are things in my life that are not good. There are things in my life that I don't desire. There are things in my life that I wish were different. Now. That's true for me. It's true for you, right? Okay, so this is where we really live, right? So how do we drive these things together? How is I'm supposed to, in everything, give thanks? And how is it that God is working all things together for good when it doesn't seem so good? Well, Jesus one day challenging some people who were challenging him, told them that they do, they were making mistakes about what they thought. He said, they were making mistakes because you don't know the scripture. And so what's going on here is we've, we've acknowledged these are facts and yet Paul, who also experienced these things, said, in all of that, give thanks because it's God's will for you and he says elsewhere, all, you know, all things work together for good. How do we, we jive all this? We have to have a biblical view of the world. We have to have a biblical, biblical view of God, a biblical view of ourselves, a biblical view of how everything works together. It is crucial if we're going to do that. Because, why don't you go back a slide there if you would, Jim. And so I think when we're looking at these uh, verses, we have to come to grips to get a biblical view of what God means when he talks about good. Because you know what? It's different than what we typically think. Yes. Right? And so what does he mean when he says all things work together for good? Well, there's two ways to uh, figure out, at least two ways to figure out what a word means. And one is to use a dictionary, right? Go in a dictionary and find what the word is. And then also say, how's it being used? And what does it seem like it's communicating? And we put those two things together and we come up with a pretty good idea. So let's do the dictionary one first, okay? And this comes from a Greek dictionary because the New Testament was written in Greek. 
This word good means inherently or intrinsically good. In other words, it's not good just because of the circumstances. In and of itself, it is good. From the inside out, there's nothing about this that is not good. So this is the word that we find there in Romans 8, 28. It also means that it's good whether it seems to be so or not. Now, this is important because if God is doing something good in my life and I don't see it as good, is it still good? Yes, it is. And that's what this word means. Whether I see it as good or not, whether I realize it, it's good. It is actually good. And and so this word is used then to describe what originates from God and, and, and is empowered by him in the believer's life. So anything he's doing in my life is good by definition and reality. Okay. So now let's, let's look at the verse again and, and see if there's, we want to look at the context, how it's used. If you have your Bible open still, let's look back there in Romans 8. We're going to read a little farther. Verse 28, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. So he has a purpose for us, doesn't he? He has a purpose. For whom he foreknew... He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. We're coming back. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. God is doing something in our lives that will last forever. And that's what he's telling us here. So let's go back and look at this a little more closely. Verse 29. For whom he foreknew. Uh, this, this messes with my mind, okay? When I, when sometimes when I think about God, it messes with my mind. Anybody else? Or am I just confused, right? So I think about God, and, and what it tells me is that before he created the world, and he, he, he determined to create the world the way, way we experience it, not with the sin, but he created the world, and he gave human beings free choice, and he knew that we would use the choice to sin, and he knew that we would need a savior, And so before he even created the world, he determined to send a savior. And it says there that he knew who would choose to believe. And that's the way he set up. Everyone who would believe in Jesus' savior, right, receives their forgiveness and eternal life. And it says that God predestined everybody who would believe. Now, this word predestined messes us up. He's not talking about predestined to heaven, predestined to hell. That's not what this is about. How do we get to heaven? We receive Christ as Savior. That's how we get there. We respond and believe and we receive Christ as Savior. But then he says, those of us who believe are now predestined to something. What is it? Let's look at it. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. That means he's predestined us to be like Jesus. And and he's working on that right now in our lives. And I I, I don't know that we're completely finished when we make it to heaven. We probably got work to do there. I don't know. It'd be good work. But the idea, he's conforming us to be like his son. Why? It's two things. He said that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. 
Do you know if you're a Christian that Jesus is your spiritual older brother? Have you ever seen, met two people and said, these guys got to be brothers? Anybody? Well, that's the way God intends for it to be with you and me. When someone meets us, they said, wow, Jesus, make that connection. And then it says, moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. That happened to me in, in 1975 when I received Christ. And whom he called, he also justified. A theological word, you can think of it this way. It means that God did something in my life so that it's just as if I'd never sinned. And just as if I never will. He justified us. He paid the price. Boy, that's good news, isn't it? And whom he justified, these he also glorified. He's glorifying us. And to, when you're glorified, that's about God in you. That's about God being able to be seen in you. So he's taking us to a place where, in fact, he says it in Ephesians. He says, we're going to be like trophies for him, showing his grace throughout eternity. And the idea is when someone would see us, they would see the glory of God and what he does. But the real focus for us here, I think, is this, that all things work together for good because he has predestined us to become like Jesus. And that's what he's doing in our lives. So, Romans 8.28, the good, the good that God is working on is about changing us to be more and more like Jesus. Which, by the way, is the greatest blessing you could ever have. More and more like Jesus. It means you're gonna see God differently. You're gonna see yourself differently. You're gonna see the world differently. You're gonna see people who know the Lord differently. You're gonna see people who don't know the Lord differently. It's just such a blessing. And, and I don't see that Jesus was ever anxious once. Never anxious once. Um, never worried. Burdened for people, but not worried. Anyway, so this is the good that God is working on. He says all things work together for that. That means all things, right? All that, those lists of things that we would have that we would say, these aren't good things in my life. I don't want these things. I wish they weren't here. It includes those. All these things God is using to shape us to be like Jesus. Now, on the, the flip side of this, this is important because we need, far too often we can slip into these, these uh, mistakes. God's purpose in our lives then is not, it's not to make us rich and healthy, comfortable and happy. Anybody want to be rich? I wouldn't mind being richer. <laughs> healthy? Anybody like be comfortable? Happy? No, I don't want to be happy. <laughs> of course we do. But that's not God's purpose in our lives. God's purpose in our lives is not to support our devotion to temporary things. And we find ourselves very devoted to temporary things, don't we? Some things you got to do and you got to deal with it. I get that. But we sometimes get so caught up in things that are only about the here and now with little or no eternal significance. And so that's not his purpose in our lives. I, his purpose in our lives is not to make our lives easy and trouble-free. Now, just real quick, can you see that these are the kinds of things that we tend to pray about, aren't we? Yeah. These kind of things we tend to focus on. Uh, they get our attention and we get stuck there. 
But these aren't God's purposes in our lives. And it's even more personal that uh, God's purpose in our lives is not to accept or encourage our addiction to ourselves. Glenda and I were talking recently and somehow or other, I don't know which one, we came up with this phrase, we're addicted to ourselves. I'm the most important thing in the world. Not. Okay, so that's not his purpose in our lives. He's not going to support that. And so if things have to crumble for you to get unaddicted, guess what? He'll let those things crumble. And then God's purpose in our lives is not to be our genie in a bottle. You know? Oh, God. (laughs) Okay, so what is it? God's purpose in our lives then is to use what's happening now to bless us forever by making us more and more like his son. Okay? But the blessing is now because... Well, let's just let's go on here. So this is what he's doing. That means everything that is in your life, God will use to conform you to his son. And you can be stubborn. You can resist that. Well, then God will use the things that happen in your life because of that. He's going to, he's working on making you more and more like Jesus. And that is a blessing now. But it's really about forever. It's about stuff that's forever kind of stuff. And so the Apostle Paul, in talking about this, um, if we have this view, if we have this view of the world, this, so that, by the way, can you understand now why we can give thanks in everything? Because this everything, this thing right here that not pleasant, I wish wasn't part of my life, but wait a minute. God, you are working in my life. I don't quite know what you're doing, except I know you're making me more like Jesus. And we yield to him in that and we go forward and trust him and he grows us. And so the Apostle Paul talking about this this view of life, he says this, he says, that is why we never give up. Our present troubles are small and won't last very long. When you compare anything to eternity, it's short and small, isn't it? He says, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last, what's the next word? Forever. Will last forever. And then he continues. He says, so we don't look at the troubles we can see now. And by look here, he really means focus in on, you know, fix your gaze on, as he says here. We don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen, things that are out there. For the things we see now will soon be gone. They're what? Temporary. But the things we cannot see will last forever. Now, deep question for you right now. Does forever include now? Hmm. So this blessing is for now, isn't it? But we ought not to be focusing on now. We need to be focusing on what God is doing Forever, and trying to cooperate with him in that and leave the now to him. Okay? All right, so like I said, we don't want to be in denial. We want to embrace the truth, the whole truth. So here's the facts. There are things in my life that are not good, things I don't desire, things I wish were different, okay? But 
And that but is very important. But I can be thankful in all of these things because I know that God is using them to make me more like Jesus, which is a blessing both now and forever. So you might not feel suddenly that, oh, that's great comfort in my difficulties. And if you're feeling that way, first it's a reality that's true. But what you need to realize is I'm not looking at the world biblically. I'm not looking at the world the way God says it is. Yes, I'm not happy with these circumstances. I wish they were different. But God, thank you so much that you, I know you're working in my life here. You haven't abandoned me. You have plans and purposes and you're going to use this to be part of it. Thank you. And so see, gratitude really is sort of a natural outgrowth of this view of the world. This God's got me in the palm of his hands. He cares. He's working. Even in the things that are unpleasant. So, some things to be thankful for this morning. First one is this, that God is always at work for our good. Always. How long? How often? Always. Okay. Then, we have reason to be thankful in everything. That means everything, right? Now, I, I, I'm realistic. I understand, I understand that we're going to, oh, struggle, right? It's going to come and go. It's going to hit us. And we're gonna, but we have to keep coming back to, wait a minute, what's really true? What's really true? And what's really true is these things we're talking about and for which we should give thanks. Do you know that sometimes when you don't feel thankful, if you will purposely choose to give thanks, it'll start to make you feel thankful? I don't want to start that. I don't want to be thankful today. I want to stew in my own juices today. Yeah, okay. That's, I get it. It's understandable. But it's not a good idea. And so we need to say, wait a minute. God, I don't want to start this list, but God, in this thing that I'm struggling with here, I know you're going to use this to make me more like Jesus. Thank you for that. You know, in this thing that I wish was different and and I'm trying to figure out how do I help my family member with this, but it's overwhelming, Lord. I, I struggle, but thank you that you are at work here. You're at work in my life. And if your other person knows Jesus, I know that you're in work in their lives too. Thank you for that. Help me to see what I need. It, it'll change. You gotta do this, folks. Give thanks, okay? He's always at work. He, he's, he, we have reason to be thankful and everything. And then finally, God is always using everything to make us more and more like Jesus. Everything. This is really good news. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you so much that when we come to know you, you have predestined us to be like your son. And you are actively at work in our lives, drawing us, pulling us, helping to shape our thinking and you intervene as needed, Lord, to bring these things to pass. Thank you that we can trust you in this. Help us to trust you. Help us to remember to trust you and to believe what you say in your word in the middle of what's happening in our lives. 
I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.